the following message entitled, The Fellowship, Persist or Drift. Part one of the series, Regroup, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 3rd of August, 2014. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Good morning, everyone. If you're newer to the church, my name's Bob. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I wanted to add one uh, quick announcement. If you're signing up this morning, if you're planning to sign up for a fellowship group, um, if you've already contacted your current leader, care group leader, and that group is, is staying in existence, um, you, don't, you don't need to sign the sheet. That's just for if you're going to be joining another group. All right. Well, as Mark said, we're going to be starting a new uh, short series on biblical fellowship this morning. And uh, let's just pray before we get started with that. Well, Father, Lord, you've said in your word that Jesus is, is our source. He is the vine and we are the branches. And Lord, we, we just want to reflect that this morning in our unity together, in this message, Lord. We know that we can't bear fruit apart from Him. So we need Him. We declare our dependence on Him. I do, Lord, as I teach. And uh, we all do, Lord, as we hear and receive Your Word. We pray that You'd bear much fruit, Lord. We pray that Jesus would be glorified and at the center of this message and that You would help us this morning. In His name we pray. Amen. All right, Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is what we're going to be looking at. And while you're turning there, I want to give an opening illustration. This summer, my son Abe and I uh, took up a new hobby together. We started kayaking together. Saved up money, and Abe saved some birthday money, and got a kayak, got a couple of kayaks. And we've been having a blast doing it. It's really fun. We have a local river near our house, the Connemaw, that we've been going down, and uh, my dad's been the taxi driving the truck, hauling us back up, and we've got another creek, uh, a small creek called Tub Mill, that's near our house, and it's just a small trout stream, uh, really calm, serene trout stream, but a couple weeks ago, after a couple of days of really heavy rain, it turned from a really small, serene trout stream into just a raging torrent of whitewater rapids and twists and turns, and, and Abe and I said, let's, let's give it a try. We were waiting for that to happen. And uh, it was about a two-mile stretch that we went down that afternoon, and we had a simple goal. We wanted to make it down that two-mile stretch um, without rolling the kayak or crashing into rocks or brush or trees or anything else. And uh, it proved to be much more difficult than we'd originally thought. With the water being so high, the, the currents weren't flowing down their normal channels. And they were in places up over the bank, uh, taking us toward fallen trees or brush, uh, where they would have normally gone around big boulders. They were going over big boulders and creating little waterfalls. And so it was a blast, but we had to be very intentional to, to paddle and to steer our course, or those currents would have taken us 
into brush or trees or rocks or over the banks. So, in other words, we, we couldn't drift. We couldn't drift. We had to be really intentional to keep our course, and we had to persist in that for the whole two miles. Well, in the same way, we're going to see this morning from, from God's Word that when it comes to biblical fellowship in the church, there is really only two options. We, we have to either persist or we will drift. And that's what we're going to see this morning. The title of our message this morning is The Fellowship, Persist or Drift. Acts 2.42, a little background before we read this verse. Um, Peter had just preached his, his evangelistic sermon at Pentecost, and 3,000 were added to the church as a result of the Holy Spirit coming, the gospel being preached that day. And this passage gives us a peek into the attitudes and practices of those early believers in that first Christian church in Jerusalem. And we can learn a lot from them about fellowship. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So in this verse, we're told four things that these early believers devoted themselves to. And this morning we're going to look in detail at just one of these attributes, their devotion to the fellowship. So we're going to look at what fellowship is, Um, seek to understand that, and then look at how we can be like them, how we can be devoted to it, how we can persist in this fellowship. And then we'll top it off at the end. I'm going to give five practical points on how we can apply this to our fellowship groups, to the fellowship we have in our small groups. So first, let's just define it. What is fellowship? What does this word mean, this word fellowship? And it's, it's pretty simple as a general definition. Basically, fellowship is just the idea of two or more people having something in common. So for a, for a visual, just think like two fellows in the same ship. There's two guys in this ship, and they're standing on common ground. They're, they're united in this ship. Two fellows in the same ship. This is kind of like what happens when, if you've ever noticed that you know, two strangers, when they meet each other for the first time, a lot of times they'll, they'll ask questions and probe to try to find some common ground. You know what I mean? Like, what, where are you from? Or you might know somebody that this person knows. And then once, once you have that common ground established, once you hit a com- make a common bond with that stranger, then you, in a small way, you have fellowship. You're, you're a little more relaxed and comfortable sharing with that person. So in a small way, that's fellowship. Uh, we see fellowship happen in larger ways um, every year. For example, I think of um, if a sports team, a local sports team in a community is doing really well and they're, going, they're undefeated. Like last year, um, Homer Center High School, the Homer Center Wild, Wildcats were undefeated and they made it to the state championship uh, playoffs, and everybody in that community was, there was a sense of camaraderie there, a sense of togetherness. You, 
You couldn't go through Homer City without seeing banners and signs and people wearing jerseys and painted faces. And that team, in a, in a way, brought that community together. That's fellowship. It can happen with a tragedy too. Like think of 9-11. Remember back when 9-11 happened? That tragedy, that terrible thing, brought a whole bunch of people together. So we saw people coming together to pray like never before, like I've never seen before. We saw people serving one another. Uh, Hurricane Katrina, same thing. So these things are all pictures of fellowship, just to get a sense of what the word means. Common ground is essential for that. Now, we know as Christians that there is only one common ground that has eternal significance, that has eternal implications, that really matters in eternity. And we're going to look at that this morning. So, the question is, we've kind of got a handle on what is fellowship, but look at the passage again in in Acts 2.42. He doesn't just say, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. He says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And in, in Greek, the definite article that we have translated, the, is very significant because he's talking about, he's letting us know that this is a specific fellowship. This is the fellowship. This is the fellowship that I just mentioned a minute ago that has eternal significance. This is a fellowship that is united on a specific common ground. The common ground of a person. This is the fellowship that brought 3,000 people together back on the day of Pentecost. It's fellowship in and around and on a person. And this person brings believers together no matter when and where they live. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let's look at what the fellowship is. And one passage that gives us clear insight into it is 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9. What is this fellowship he's talking about? It tells us here, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the specific fellowship that the believers in the book of Acts were devoted to And this is the specific fellowship that we, as believers, are devoted to as well. The fellowship of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's around one person, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He's the reason we gather. He's why we're here. He is what we have in common. So many different kinds of people, so many different ages, so many different backgrounds, so many different music preferences, so many different vocations, but we are united in and around Jesus Christ. He's the reason for our fellowship. You take that out and we have no foundation on which to stand. We're united in Him. He's the vine, we're the branches, we get our life and our unity in Him. So the fellowship here in the book of Acts and in Scripture is is our participation in Christ, our communion together in Christ, the spiritual community, community that we all share in Christ, that believers throughout time and throughout the world share in Christ, but most specifically as a local body, the fellowship that we have 
together here in Indiana, PA, in Christ. So listen to how Paul put this in Ephesians chapter 2. This gives us as, as clear a, a picture as any. I like, I like pictures. I like, they help me to understand biblical truths. Jesus spoke in parables. Um, this is a picture that's going to help us understand what fellowship is even more clearly. Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. And I'll just break, break it up a bit as we read through it to explain. Verse 19. So then you... Now, first of all, he's, the you here is plural. He's talking to the believers in Ephesus, those Christians who were in the Ephesian church. He's writing to the Ephesian church. He says, you, and this would apply to all of us who are believers as well, are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are, a, you are fellow citizens. See that fellow? It's the root of fellowship. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So right there in verse 19, we see that every one of us who believe in Jesus are now a part of that household. We're a part of that fellowship. That brings us to a unique common ground that has eternal implications. So no matter who you are, who you were, what you've done, how lonely you feel, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a part of this fellowship. Verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets... He's talking about this fellowship. He's talking about the common ground that we as believers are now built on. What does it look like? Built on this this foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. This is describing the common ground that we're all standing on. So picture this foundation that's made up of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. This is huge. I want, I want us all to understand this. So first of all, what, what is the apostles and prophets that we're standing on, that we're founded on? Well, the apostles in Scripture usually represent, when it's used in this way, the writings of the New Testament because the apostles wrote the New Testament through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So God wrote the New Testament, He used the apostles to write it, and He used the prophets in the Old Testament. So this is telling us that we, our foundation as believers is, is this book, the Word of God, the Bible. The apostles and prophets represent the Bible here. And that foundation has a cornerstone. Now what does a cornerstone do? A cornerstone holds everything together. A cornerstone locks it together. It fortifies that foundation. Sort of like the capstones we talked about last week, but it it actually is much more significant. And Jesus Christ Himself, the living Word of God, is the cornerstone that holds that foundation together. See, the Bible... The Holy Spirit speaks about Jesus as the Word of God in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word... That's Jesus Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. Jesus Christ is is the, the Word of God, the eternal, living, incarnate Word of God. 
And this is the truths. These are the truths that He has given us. So, how do we see Jesus now? We, we don't see Him in the flesh right now. We see Him through the truths in this Word. So this Word, not the ink, not the pages, not the paper, not the binding or the leather, but the truths therein are the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone that we are founded upon. Our fellowship is based upon this. Held together by Jesus Christ. That's really important. That's so important. We need to remember that. If we ever start getting away from this Word, or from Jesus Christ, then we're, we're, getting a, we're going to a dangerous place. We need to keep centered and founded on His Word, on Him. So, look at verse 21 and, and verse 22. What happens when our fellowship is squarely situated on this foundation that we just talked about? What happens? What's the result? This is the result. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together. Built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The result of our union together on the foundation of God's Word, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, is that we're going to be built together, we're going to be joined together, and we're going to grow into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The result is fellowship. That's what fellowship is. That's what this fellowship that the book of Acts is talking about is. So, I know we know this, that God, God dwells in every Christian, right? Individually. God dwells in every believer. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has come to, to take up residence in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But, this is talking about how when believers, all of those individuals come together there is a particular way that the Spirit is manifested in them as they come together. That's, that's fellowship. Whenever we come together, two or more believers, around Jesus Christ and His Word, and He manifests Himself in a particular way. And if you want to know more about how that works, I encourage you to read the book of Acts because you read about things like rooms shaken when they prayed and just all these powerful things happening. And I'm sure that if you've been involved in Christian fellowship, you can testify to powerful ways that God works, even when believers come together to pray or, or read His Word. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit here, how we're going to do that. But this is fellowship. This is what the fellowship is. Believers gathering around Jesus and His Word. Now, uh, I think maybe Mark mentioned earlier, you might have heard that our, what we were calling our care groups um, currently are going to be called fellowship groups. And we've said before that fellowship groups might not be the trendiest name or the catchiest name. Um, there are a lot of other more trendy, catchy names that we could call these small groups. But we as your pastors believe that this name, fellowship groups, captures the purpose of why we're meeting in care groups. Why, why we want to meet together in these small groups. Because you know that 
in this large group. This is definitely fellowship that we have on Sunday mornings. But we can't work out the one another's of Scripture as well in a large group like this as we can in smaller groups. And so that's fellowship. That's why we're calling them fellowship groups. We want our small groups to be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We want them to be centered on Jesus Christ because that's who our fellowship is in. So what that means for us is that every time we meet, whether it's here or whether it's in small groups or whether you're meeting with believers for fellowship for any reason, that all of our counsel, all of our encouragement, all of our questions, all of our experiences... All of our care, everything we do needs to be informed, advised, and examined in light of God's Word. That's how we have fellowship together. Without this, then we're just a social club. We're not really a part of the fellowship that we're talking about here in Scripture. It's got to be based on God's Word. So, that gives us a handle on what this fellowship is that is talked about in Acts 2.42. Uh, But we still haven't answered the question, what does it mean to be devoted to the fellowship? We need to talk about this. What does it mean to be devoted to the fellowship? So look again at Acts 2.42. And it says, and they devoted themselves to, and one of those things is, the fellowship. This is where the second part of the title of the message comes in. It's called The Fellowship, Persist or Drift. So this is where persist or drift comes in. This is sort of the exhortation for us all. We know what fellowship is, now what do we do with that? Well, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And the Greek word for devoted here that we have in the ESV translated devoted is proskartereo. And this is really helpful for me because this word, proskartoreo, is, it's actually a compound word in Greek. It's two words put together to make one. And it's always helpful to just examine the words and look at their origins. And and, and when you look at this word, proskartoreo, it's it's two words. There's pros, and then there's kartoreo. And again, this is the word translated devoted in the Greek. Pros means... Just simply toward, to go toward something, to move toward a certain goal. You're aiming for something, you're, you're going to go toward that thing. That's pros. It's just toward. It's a, so it's a, it's a um, verb here. It's think of going toward something. And then kartereo means to persevere. To persevere um, in whenever there are forces maybe coming against you. It's, that's what uh, kartoreo means. So think, the word proskartoreo here is to persevere towards something when you have forces or circumstances pushing you away, opposing you. You're proskartoreoing, you're persevering toward that. And they, they proskartoreoed themselves toward the fellowship. This, the, a great uh, translation of this word, and many of you might have it in your other Bible translations, is persist. Devoted, is, devoted to is great, but persist is a really good one as well. Persist just means to continue steadfastly or firmly in some state, purpose, course of action, or the like, 
especially in spite of opposition. So that kind of captures the, the meaning of proskartoreo pretty well. Right? To persist. Continue firmly in this state or purpose or course of action in spite of opposition. So think back to the opening illustration. I want to, I want to make a point with this illustration. When Abe and I, my son Abe and I, were going down those raging torrents of tub mill that were trying to force us into rocks and trees and over the bank, we were, we had to fight against them. We had to persist with our paddles to steer our kayaks and keep our course of action, right? We had to proscard a reto. That's what we had to do. We had to continue steadfastly or firmly in some state, purpose, or course of action, especially in spite of opposing circumstances, the currents that were trying to take us off of our course of action, right? So the point is this. If you don't devote yourself, if we don't devote ourselves, if we don't persist in the fellowship, then we're going to get hung up in the brush of this world. We're going to crash into stony ground. We're going to crash our spiritual kayaks into stony ground in this world. We're going to roll under the rough rapids of our circumstances that try to carry us elsewhere. We must persist. We must keep our course of action when it comes to the fellowship, the gathering of believers around Jesus Christ. This is so important. The opposite, if you had to come up with an opposite word of proskartoreo, being devoted to something, of persisting in something, it would be to drift. It would be just to drift. To drift means simply to be carried along by currents of water or air or by the force of circumstances. I want, I want if we don't have that projected, let's, let's look at that again. Drift. To be carried along by currents of water, air, or by the force of circumstances. That's the opposite of what these believers were doing in the early church. And that's the opposite of what we are called to do as believers when it comes to the fellowship. So being devoted to the fellowship means that we aren't to drift. We need to take charge and prioritize our lives. And we've got to steer the course of our life in such a way that we don't let the force of our circumstances carry us. Because they're always going to carry us away from God's people, away from Jesus Christ, away from the fellowship, unless we proscart the reto. That's what we need to do, unless we are devoted, unless we persist, unless we have that mindset that we're just going to take charge and make this a priority in our lives. Listen, I know how it is. I think we all do. We, we won't persist unless we're intentional and purposeful about it. There are times when I don't, I don't feel like going to care group. I don't feel like meeting. But you can ask my wife when I've persisted and done it, I've left that meeting saying, I'm so glad that I came. I feel refreshed. And any time believers gather in the center of that conversation as Jesus Christ and His Word, you're going to feel that way. You're gonna, it's going to be worth it. So we're called to be faithful to the fellowship. We do this on Sunday mornings. So listen, all, all of us who are here on Sunday mornings, we make this a, a priority in our lives. We don't schedule appointments right on Sunday mornings. 
I mean, usually it's okay to take a vacation or something like that. Or, but generally speaking, this is a priority to us. So we're not going to schedule something else. But this, this really isn't enough. One time a week isn't really fellowship. I mean, this is fellowship. But, well, let me just show you. Look, look at the next verses in the book of Acts. Acts 2, 42 through 46. Here's what it looked like for them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, daily, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They met daily. We're told not only here, but in several places in the book of Acts and in the book of Luke, that in the early church, they met daily. They met daily for teaching. They met daily for prayer. They met daily for worship and praising the Lord. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we meet daily, but if you do meet daily with other believers, that's really good. I'm sure you'll be a, a healthy Christian experiencing fellowship. But one of the ways that we as your pastors want to encourage you is to go to your small groups because this is a way that you can meet more than just on Sunday mornings. They met daily. Listen, they were just as busy as us, if not busier. I mean, they didn't have a lot of the conveniences that we have. They were, they were busy people, but they found time to meet daily around Jesus Christ and His Word. So I know, I know a lot of you are doing this on your own already, and that great job. You know, a lot of, a lot of friends here I know, that I have here in the church I know are meeting just on your own um, for accountability or Bible studies, and that's wonderful. But one of the ways that we want to help create a context for that is, is our small groups, our fellowship groups. So we want to encourage you to go to those groups. Last week um, we saw, if you heard last week's message, that we who are believers in Jesus Christ will never be separated from His love. We have, we have an eternal relationship with Him, and it's based on His love for us, not on our love for Him. And therefore, nothing can separate that, us from that love. But this morning, the main point, and I want to keep saying it to get it across, is that we need to be intentional and purposeful to do our part when it comes to the fellowship together. So gathering with other believers, is, is, it has to be a priority. I know that there's so much to do. I know that. You know, we have, my family has four kids. There's kids' activities. There's home maintenance, um, busyness, just all kinds of things that we have to do. Working a lot of hours. Things that the Bible calls the, the cares of this world. We all have them. But the priority is to sit at Jesus' feet together with other believers. And that's what the main point of this passage is and this message today. 
So with, with a lot of effort, we can turn the direction of our lives if we use our spiritual paddles and, and keep the course of our action without being carried away and, and, and sent into stony ground or thorny ground. We can keep that. So what does this mean for us? All right. Here's where we get even more practical. Um, I want to give us five ways, five ways that we can put this information into practice in our small groups, in our fellowship groups. And I like tongue twisters, so I call this five fundamentals for fostering fellowship in your fellowship groups. Five fundamentals for fostering fellowship in your fellowship groups. All right, do we have these? Yep. We're going to talk about these briefly. I'm going to end with this. First, go. Second, open your Bibles together. Third, pray together. Fourth, do the one another's to one another. And fifth, keep it Christ-centered. So, we've already hit on this. Go. In order to experience fellowship with other believers, well, you've got to go. You can't be absent. And this doesn't work when you're absent. So, a simple requirement here to participate, share, come together, all these words that fellowship means, is to, to do that. So this verb form of fellowship is to go, to come together and make it happen. And that's pretty simple. And here's the key verse that, that I would use for that. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this, Let us, and he's talking about multiple people, not just saying let you, but let us together hold fast the confession of our hope, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, and here's the key, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. That's not good, if that's your habit. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Listen, they, this is like the early church 2,000 years ago, they met daily, and he's, he's still encouraging them to encourage one another to keep meeting, and all the more as the day draws near, we're, we're 2,000 years beyond that now, the day is the day that the Lord comes back, and each tick of the clock gets us a little bit closer to that. So if you do the math, that means we should be encouraging each other more than they were to meet more than they were, and that's a lot of meeting. So I'm going to encourage you to go to fellowship group. Um, you know, it can... This is uncomfortable at times to encourage people that. But we're told here to, to do that to one another. So you should be encouraging each other to go to fellowship group too. And I know that can be uncomfortable at times, but we need to be faithful to the Scripture rather than our comfort zone, right? So if we're doing this, it's going to be more natural. If only like one or two of you do this, then that'll be hard for that one or two. So let's all do this. Let's encourage one another to meet together and to go and to come to church and to have fellowship together. All right, so that's number one. Number two, open your Bibles together. As we saw, one of the, well, the, what the fellowship is founded upon is the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. Where do we get that? We get that here in our Bibles. We need to be sure that we're opening our Bibles together in our fellowship groups. I mean, one of the main purposes of these small groups is to talk about, discuss, review, encourage one another with the passages that we talked about on Sunday mornings. 
And so we want to apply those passages to our lives individually, and this is the context for us to do that, fellowship groups. And so you can't do that if you're not opening God's Word. We need to open God's Word together. That's the foundation of our fellowship. And this, the Scripture, it, it, it's, it's like it says in Psalm 119, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It guides us. I mean, if we're just giving each other our opinions, that's, that's not biblical fellowship. We're to give each other the truth of God's Word and encourage each other with that truth. Psalm 119 says, when, when uh, the writer prayed in Psalm 119, he said, Lord, Your words are my counselors. His words are our counselors. We don't really need each other's counsel. We need God's counsel. And we need to be giving each other God's counsel when we meet in our groups. So let's not have a therapy session. Let's have fellowship when we meet in our fellowship groups. Open your Bibles together is the second one. And, and that's really what it means to go back to Acts 2.42 when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what they were doing. That was, that's the equivalent of what we have in our New Testament today. Third thing, pray together. In Acts 2.42 again, they devoted themselves to all these things. And the last one is the prayers. The prayers. Praying together is mentioned over and over again in the Scriptures when we see believers coming together. It is a powerful thing for us to pray together. The Bible tells us that it's a sweet aroma to God when, when believers gather together and pray. This is one of the greatest times I think in, that I have personally when my small group meets. I, I love it when we pray together. And everybody, you don't have to if you're shy, you don't have to speak up and pray, but I think a lot of people do and we just... We're not concerned with what one another, what we think about each other. We're just concerned with praying to God together, and it's powerful. If this is if this is all you do at some of your meetings, I think that's okay. I think it's great to pray together. Matthew nineteen eighteen tells us Jesus said, "If two or where uh, two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am among you." This is an essential, fundamental for us in our fellowship groups to pray together. Let's devote ourselves to it. Four, do the one another's to one another. I've gone, I've, I went through the New Testament and counted, I might have missed some, but I counted 59 one another passages. Passages that tell us as believers how to relate to one another. And I can forward that to you on an email or print it out for you if you want. I, I put them all on a sheet of paper. Let me know if you want that. I'll give it to you. But get into the Scripture and search for yourselves and find those. And then we have to do them to one another. This is a part of being the fellowship. This is how God tells us to relate to one another. And as we saw in when I read Hebrews 10.25, it's not always comfortable to do the one another's to one another. So it's not always comfortable to be exhorting people who aren't going to the group to go to the group. Especially if you're not going yourself. I wouldn't recommend doing it if you're not going yourself, exhorting other people to go. Because that would be kind of like when Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye first. But we need to be doing the one another's. We need to be loving one another, devoting ourselves to one another, bearing one another's burdens. There are so many. And this is, 
this is the instruction manual for fellowship, for how we do it together. So get those one another's and, and let's, let's be devoted to doing them. Let's persist in them. Finally, last thing. Uh, number five, keep it Christ-centered. Keep it Christ-centered. This is important. Remember, Jesus is the cornerstone. As we read in 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of, of what? Of the running enthusiast club, of the bird watching club, of, of you know, the social club, of what? You know, no, of Jesus Christ, His Son. All kinds of fellowship in this world. People gather around all kinds of things, but ours is around Jesus Christ, and we need to keep Him at the center of that fellowship, or it won't be this kind of fellowship anymore. And sadly, a lot of churches have lost Jesus, and now they're just fellowships around something else. And we never want to let that happen in our church. Other things are important for us to do, but He must remain at the center. So we meet to study Jesus. We meet to worship Jesus. We meet to pray to God through Jesus in His name. We meet to exalt and encourage, exalt Him, encourage one another through Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. And so we need to make our meetings about Him. And if we do that, to the degree that we make our, our Sunday service, our small group meetings, our fellowship about Him, to that degree, we will have success. Because... It's all about Him. He's the vine, and we're the branches, and we've got to be connected to Him to make this work. So, here's, here's the, here it is in a nutshell. When it comes to fellowship in the church, we only have two options. We either have to persist, or we will drift. So make a commitment today to be devoted to the fellowship, to persist in fellowship. Make it a priority. It's God's will, and He'll strengthen you. He'll enable you to do that. I don't like pressure, but Scripture commands me to encourage you in this way, and I need you to encourage me as well. So let's do it to one another. Let's, let's go to fellowship groups. Let's come to church. Let's be together more than, than we were before this Sunday. Let's pray and ask God for His help. Father, thank You, Lord, for Your Word. Sometimes it pushes on parts of us that we don't like, but we need it. And Lord, we want to be humble and submit to Your Word. And so I pray, Lord, that You would help us all with this message, with the information that You've given us through Your Word. Help us to be centered on Jesus Christ. Help, help Him to be at the center of this body of believers forever and never, ever be moved away from that. Lord, we are dependent on You and You are our life. As the Scripture says, Jesus, You are all. You are everything. So let us be rooted and grounded in Your Word and we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.